Well, good morning, everybody. Morning. Hopefully you can hear me and you can hear me online. And so we are, uh, we are diving in. Uh, well, we're going to dive into a little bit of a different route today. I just want you to know is that today is going to be a little different because uh, um, honestly, as I was going through and I was preparing for this, you know, you ever done something where you look and you go, some people are just kind of faking it through their way, and some people are actually being participants in it, right? You know, some people are just like, hey, and before we really dive into Ephesians 5, and before we really dive into, um, before we really dive into where we're going to go with this, I really wanted to lay some groundwork, and some of this is going to come from some leadership principles, some of this is going to come from uh, just, you know, when you start looking at it, and so we're going to start out with just, and, and, and it's called players and pretenders, right? You know, and so here's kind of the foundation for this. When I was, uh, years ago, I was attending service at another church, and uh, I was listening to a speaker, and, and one of the things that they came out and said, some of us, some of us, as we go, and, you know, it, it, and I'll, use, I'll use football as an example, because we're starting the football season, right? And so, um, <laughs> I heard it, by, by the way, I heard a joke for all you Raiders fan out there. There's, <laughs> there's one place, there's one place that the house always loses in Las Vegas, and that's at Allegiant Stadium. That's, <laughs> 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 I heard it, I was like, hey, that's pretty funny, I, you know, uh, but uh, it, don't feel bad, Santa Clara is uh, pretty much the same thing most of the time as of late. Anyway. Uh, so a lot of times what we end up doing is we end up being spectators, right? Some of us, we watch the football game on TV and, and we'll use the, 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 the term that, oh, I get a better view, I get to watch it that way. And some of us, some of us will get a little more involved and we'll go to the game. But as soon as we see ticket prices, we're like, oh no, no, I'm sitting up in the nosebleeds, right? You know, and, and I wonder if anybody who's ever sat in the nosebleeds has gotten a nosebleed out of it, you know, like they're, they're all the way up there in the top. And then you start getting a little more and a little more committed and you start working your way down the stadium, right? You start getting down to the second level and then you get to lower level and then all of a sudden you're seated at the 50 yard line or in one of the end zones. And if you happen to be a Raiders fan, maybe you're in the black hole or whatever it is, but you work your way down the problem is, the whole time you're still a spectator, right? The whole time you're still a spectator, and we are trying to get, realistically, in Christianity, we try to stop being spectators. No matter how low we get to the field, we need to get onto the field. We need to step onto the field because when we, when, as we sit on the sidelines, what are we actually doing? What are we actually doing to help further God's kingdom? What are we actually doing? And so we're going to lay some groundwork. And so if you are, I, I wish, so uh, this morning was a perfect uh, combination of our printer ran out of ink and we ran out of paper at the same time. So it's, it was just perfect. So if you're going to keep notes, we gave some journals away today. Open this up. I'm going to tell you there's going to be a lot. There's a lot of notes. And so get ready to write. If you're following along, you can follow on our app. Our app has current notes. So if you want to follow along there, they're on the note. The, just click on it, go notes. And you'll see everywhere I'm going to go. And then we're going to get into Ephesians 5 right afterwards. So number one, as we start here, players have a servant's mindset, right? And pretenders have a selfish mindset, right? Players have a, have a servant's mindset. They want to serve. They want to do what they're supposed to be doing. So you know, we're talking about 
Christians, if we're sitting on the field and we're trying to do this, we have a servant's heart. We're trying to do this as spectators. We show up to church and go, what do you have for me? What is it that you have for me? What is it that you have that you can give me? You know, Mike, when's the next gift going to come? When's, when are you going to entertain me more? When are you going to make me laugh more? When are you going to make this happen? And that's what ends up happening. See, Albert Einstein had this thing, and I don't know if Albert Einstein was a Christian. He says, only a life lived for others is a life lived worthwhile. I mean, just think about that. Only a life, if you're living selfishly, how can you actually, like, how are you furthering yourself along? How are you doing things? How is, you know, if you're living for others, you're trying to make sure others are growing. Others are, others are moving closer to heaven. Others are moving closer to their relationship with Jesus. It's, what are we doing? How are we living? And if we're only selfish, just give, 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 give. I'm going to take, I'm going to take, I'm going to take. That's our selfish mindset. What am I getting from church instead of what am I giving while I'm here? So here's a question. How can you tell if you have a servant mindset? How can you tell? It's just a simple answer. And the answer is by the, the, the way you react when you're treated like one. How do you react when somebody treats you as a servant? How do you react? You know, and so do you have animosity? Do you have anger? Do you have those things? Well, how is it that you react? And that will tell you if you have a servant's mindset. So players, we're using players a lot here. Players are mission conscious right we are we are trying to further the mission always we're always thinking about it it's always mission conscious we're always going hey i gotta get to the next i gotta keep doing this this is the mission this is where i'm supposed to be doing pretenders are are position minded we want to be we you know we want to make sure that we're comfortable we want to know that hey i i don't want to have to leave my couch i don't want to have to do these things I want to make sure that I can watch service on my terms. I want to, you know, I want it on YouTube and on demand, and I want you to do it this way, and I want you to do these things. We're not, you know, we're not mission-minded. We're, we're position-minded at that point. And see, players will give up position, right? They'll give up that comfort. They'll give up where they're at in order to achieve the mission. They'll give up position in order to achieve the mission. Pretenders, people that want to be comfortable will give up on a mission in order to continue to have that position. They'll say, oh, no, no, I can't do that work because it's going to take me out of my comfort zone. It's going to take me out of where I'm at. I, I can't continue to do this now. So what is success? What, how do we define that? And does success is knowing my purpose in life, growing to my maximum potential, and sowing seeds that benefit others. <laughs> let's go back a couple slides so let's go back we can go it's easy we can go backwards so number one success is knowing my purpose in life knowing my purpose in life number two is growing to my maximum potential and number three is sowing seeds that benefit others knowing growing and sowing so so let's just kind of we're going to break that down a little bit so when you think about it do you know what god has called you to do you know what god has called you to and i hear it often i don't know what god has called me to well how much time have you spent with him in the still in the quiet how much time have you taken and removed everything out of the way and spent time with god where it's just you and god and it could be out hiking it could be out in the you could be out at the beach you could be out any place but it's you 
and God in the quiet. And see, the problem is most people are uncomfortable with the quiet. Most people are uncomfortable. I'm going to prove a point to you. So just look. I'm going to start right now. You can hear it. You can start to hear it. People start fidgeting. People start moving around. People start, <clears throat> we're, 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 we have a problem with the quiet. You'll never hear God's voice until you're comfortable in the silence. You'll never hear it. That means no music. That means no, no other input. You're like, oh, no, no, I'm just Caleb, Mike. No, 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 no. Caleb is the artist projecting their opinions, their, their music, their, all of that onto you. And that's not being aware and listening to what God is trying to have you listen to. So number one, so you have to spend time with God in the quiet. But at the same time, you need to be spending time in your word. If you're not spending time, well, it, it, here's the thing. If you're, not, if you're not in your word, if you're not spending time in the Bible, and you expect to hear from God in the quiet, it's not going to work. You have to be spending time with God, both as in the silence and also in his word. And then grow. How many of us do you take and read this? I, I said this last week. We talked about Francis Chan and what he told his daughter. He said, go clean your room. She went up to go clean her room, but never actually cleaned her room. She came back down. And he asked, hey, how did cleaning your room go? She goes, you know, I really thought about what you said. I spent time thinking about it. I, I prayed about what you said. I even studied it. I went through and studied it. I know it now in Greek and in Hebrew. I can say, go clean your room that way. I can, I can even recite how you said it, where you said it at, and when you said it. And it but see, here's the question. Did you actually go and clean your room? Did you go do it? And, and see, the problem is God tells you do these things, and then we don't actually go do them. We just kind of sit on the sidelines and go, no, 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 no. God said, I want you to go out and be a servant. And you're like, mm-mm, I'm going to sit at home and do what I want to do. And God said, I want you to go out and take care of those need. And you're like, uh-uh, I'm in need. You know, and see, that's the problem is that our whole mindset has not been on actually going out and doing. Our whole mindset has been on, I want to continue to receive. And so you're not growing because you're not actually implementing what God has asked you to do. And then sowing seeds that benefit others. How often are you sharing your faith? How are you living bold? Or are you boldly living in sin? It's really a big question. Are you scattering seeds that are following on to good soil, or is the way that you're living making that good soil to where it's hard, to where it's all of a sudden it's full of thorns? Is how you're living, what people see, they go, oh, wait a minute here. You might be talking about Jesus, but you live as if Jesus doesn't exist. And so you're, all of a sudden, everything that you've sowed, everything that you've put out, people are like, that's garbage. It means nothing at that point. So I didn't change it in here, but players are mission happy. So it says jobs happy. Players are mission happy. They love what they do, and they do it well. Pretenders, I left this one the way it is, are job hunters. They, they, can't, they can't do where they are, but they think they can do it better where they're, where they're going. I mean, think about this. Some of you are sitting in the seats right now going, I can do this better than Mike. I'm telling you. There's people at home watching right now. They're like, I can do this better than you, Mike. I, you know, it, it happens. I know because I did it in the seats, right? I, 
sat in the seats too. I sat there and I looked and I go, I think I can preach better than him. And then my first time I got up and preached, I got up, I stood up and I looked at my notes and I said the whole Bible in five minutes, right? I preached the whole thing from, from Genesis to Revelations in five minutes. I looked around and I said, whoo, I'm done. And, and then I've, recently I've started going back and I, and I don't encourage you to do this, but I started going back into sermons from 10 years ago. We recorded all of them and I watched them and I go, how did people watch this? Like, how did people sit through this thing? Like, I was like, oh, what happened here? <laughs> Pretenders have hunter's disease, right? Pretenders have hunter's disease. So what that they think that success is always somewhere else. So if you are trying to pretend your way through Christianity, you're looking at, oh, well, maybe success is in those tarot cards. Maybe success is in this. Maybe success is in, in Wiccan. Maybe success is in this place. You're always trying to hunt for some place that you're going to find success. And here's the problem. I've told you this before. I stole this line from Dave Ramsey. God does not sell microwaves, right? He does not just pop in and all of a sudden it's perfect. Anybody who knows this is that a slow cooker is how things work with God. It takes, it takes time, it has to brew, it, has to, it, it simmers for hours, and then all of a sudden you get something that's amazing. The next thing is, is that pretenders have someone sickness, right? Someone sickness. They think success is with someone else. So here's the thing is that you, God has called you, each one of you, to do something specific. Each one of you. And see, as a body, we come together as a body, and as a body, each one of us have been given a job. When you read in what Paul tells us, Paul says, your job is to go do this, and your job is to go do this. How can we all be eyes, or how can we all be ears? How else are we going to actually be the hands and the feet? See, some of us, we all want to be the mouthpiece. You know, like, that's really what I want to do. I, I just want to be the mouthpiece. But how can we then be the hands and the feet if we're all mouths? If we're all just talking, which is what ends up happening, how are we being the hands and feet of Jesus if we're not actually going out and doing it? And then, and then some pretenders are what we're going to call backside blues. They think success today is, Im is impossible because of yesterday. So this is a big thing that's happening in the church right now. I was, this morning I was reading an article that's done by Carrie Newhoff. Carrie Newhoff says the church is changing drastically right now. It's drastically changing. So the attendance is lower than it's ever been in church history, and that's even including like when Black Plague was going around. The attendance in church is, uh, is ridiculously uh, on a retraction, and people are leaving in droves. We're providing more and more of it online. People are getting their, their people are what they're calling, we're calling it social media faith. They catch little glimpses, you know, they grab Stephen Furtick, they grab T.D. Jakes, they grab this person, that person, and they try and combine it all together, and all of a sudden, they have this weird sort of walking around theology. And so it's, this is where people's faith is lying. This is where people are, are grabbing everything. And so <clears throat> the reason why I bring this up is because that's how church is kind of getting. Mindset of the church is going, well, because of COVID, church is never going to be expansion. Because of COVID, we're never going to go this way. Because of how things were in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, what the church is going to be different today. And we like to blame kids now, right? We go, hey, it's the millennials' fault. No, 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 it's Gen Xers' fault. No, 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 it's Gen Z's fault. It, it's, it's not Gen Z's fault. It's not Gen X's fault. It's not millennials' fault. It's our fault. 
because we haven't taken the mission serious enough to go, we have to reach millennials, we have to reach Gen X, and we have to reach Gen Z. We haven't taken the mission that way, and we haven't said that as church we need to evolve in order to reach them people. And so we keep going, well, we're never going to do that. Well, that's because we're, we're stuck in the old way of doing church. We're stuck in the field of dreams mentality. If you build it, they will come. That's where we're stuck at. And see, that's not what God has ever intended. So when you look at Jesus, Jesus went from city to city to city to city, and he spoke to people how they could understand it. In church, we're not speaking to people how they understand it. We're not tearing, we're not tearing, telling, tearing, telling modern day parables. What we're doing now is we're just going, hey, let me rehash what Jesus said in some funny way, rather than going, hey, there's this message that applies to you today, and here's how you can take it and run it out on the streets. We forget that this is a huddle. We, on Sunday mornings, we come together, we get in a huddle, and the quarterback calls the play, and the quarterback happens to be Jesus. I'm just happen to be a player here, right? The quarterback calls the play, and we just all go out and we run the play or the mission that he's called us to do. The problem is we walk out of those doors, and we become, we, we go from Sunday from Sunday Christians to Sunday afternoon heathens all the way through Saturday. And then when we come back on Sunday, we're like, hey, I did everything I was supposed to do, and now I'm ready to do it. And, and we're not taking the mission serious enough. And so we backslide. Number four, players can deliver the goods. Pretenders only promise the goods. Just think about this. In your relationship and in what you do and how you interact with people, do you actually deliver the goods? You know, uh, um, <clears throat> I, uh, I, I have to be careful on how I word this because I, I met with an individual before COVID, right? You know, and uh, he was saying, I'm going to be planting a church. And Melissa and I both, both had an opportunity to interact with this gentleman, right? You know, this guy, we, we, we spent a couple hours with him, you know, and how he how he strode how he how he carried himself how he just everything about him he he had this 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 ooze of confidence but he also had this level of that's not good enough for me you know he had this level like i'm super confident but that's not good enough for me like we were giving him sound equipment like so by the way here, what we usually do anytime that we upgrade what we have we usually give away what we have to another church We you know when we upgraded our sound system We gave it away to another church when we upgraded our video system We gave it away to another church when we did all of those things we give it away I, Anytime we update cameras or anything like that, we're not trying to make it so this guy he goes, Oh, no, 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 I can't take that That's not good enough for me. And I said I said what I, that's literally what I said I was like what what did you say? That's not good enough for me. That's not going to my needs. I said, how many people are meeting in your church right now? He's like, oh, we haven't even started yet. I said, well, these meet your needs just fine then. You know, I, I, you know, if you don't, if you haven't been doing anything, and Melissa, so Melissa has this amazing gift of discernment. She never actually, she, you know, and she's much wiser than her age gives her, right? And if you've ever had time to spend with her, you'll be like, Man. Well, just start calling you old then if you want that. <laughs> See? I mean, we can make it work, you know. <laughs> Pretty sure that there's kids running around here calling you grandma all the time, you know. Anyway, uh, but see, here's the thing is that we're always trying to say that that's not good enough for me. That's, that's our, kind of our mindset. I'm not, you know, 
Like, I, Wayne Cardero, who pastors a church down in Hawaii uh, called Hope Chapel, he had this mindset of going, everybody who starts in leadership with them starts on bathroom duty. If you're, if, before you can do anything else, you better clean the bathrooms. And if you have an issue cleaning bathrooms, then you're probably not a servant. You're not the type of person that we want serving in our church if you have an issue with this. But see, we have a lot of people who say they can deliver the goods, but they are pretenders. This person that went out and said, that's not good enough for me, they started their church, four weeks later they collapsed, and all that equipment that they bought, all of a sudden they had $45,000 of equipment that they were trying to figure out how they're going to pay back churches. How are we going to get this back? How do we make sure that we take care of this? They, they called us and said, hey, uh, you know that stuff that you gave us a donation for? We're going to end up selling it on eBay. Do you want to buy it? I go, do I, I gave it to you. You're asking me if I want to buy it back from you? You, you, you kind of see how a pretender can only promise the goods. This is where I'm at. This is what I can do. And then they never actually deliver anything. <laughs> Thomas Swell says, we always hear about the haves and the have-nots. Why don't we hear about the doers and the do-nots? So we always hear those that have, those that don't. Why don't we hear about those that are actually doing the mission and those that are not doing the mission? That's really what it comes down to. Walt Whitman has this great, you know, this, 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 it's a paragraph, so don't, we're not going to call it a line. It says, there is a man in the world who never gets turned down. There's a man in the world who never gets turned down. Whenever... He, he chances to stray. He gets the glad hand in the populous town or out where the farmers make hay. He is greeted with pleasure on deserts of sand and in the deep of the aisles of the woods. Wherever he goes, there's a welcoming hand. He is the man who delivers the goods. So here's the thing. Everybody's excited to see the UPS guy, right? Right? UPS, Amazon, the, the FedEx guy, you rush out to meet them. You're like, hey, I can get, I'll sign right here. You, right? You're, you're happy to see that guy, it, it, especially if you live out in the sticks. You know, like I was, I was reading an article about when Amazon first started delivering to Iowa, you know, like, cause they didn't deliver to Iowa for a long time. They're like, oh, that's going to cost too much in fuel. And so they were like, we're not going to, and then all of a sudden they started delivering to Iowa. And when that started happening, people were excited to see the Amazon guy until he started throwing packages out of the door, driving by. You know, but that's what they were. They were excited. They were, everybody loves to see the guy who actually delivers the goods. Nobody wants to see the pretender. Nobody wants, you know, could you imagine if Amazon walked up to your door, knocked on the door, hit the doorbell, was like, hey, I got a package for you. Where's it at? Back at the warehouse. <laughs> I mean, how does that do for you? How, how excited would you be then? You'd be like, hey, wait a minute here. Why did you even knock on the door? Why, why would you even, you know, oh, I was just making sure that you were going to be home, so I go back and I'll get the package, then I'll bring it. And that, see, that's the mindset that we, you, nobody wants that, right? We want the person who's actually going to do what they say they're going to do and deliver the goods. Number five, players love to see others succeed. Pretenders only are interested in their own success. This is a good leadership principle. This is a good tr Christianity principle. We, we, we don't, we want to encourage people to grow, we want to encourage people to, get, to go from where they're at to where God wants them to be. And see, the problem is, a lot of us, we're only going, I want to grow, I want to succeed, I want to get this, I want to get that. And we're not actually growing to what God has wanted us to do. So this rabbi wrote this line, he says, the purpose of life is not to win. The purpose of life is to grow and to share. When you come to look back on all that you have done in life, you will get more satisfaction from the pleasure 
you have brought into other people's lives than you will from the times that you outdid and defeated them. There will be time when you're laying in, in a hospital bed and you're going to be going, where's my life significant? And your life significance isn't going to be by how much you own. It isn't going to be by how much stuff that you did, how many mountains you climbed, but how many lives that you impacted. How many lives did you impact? How many people did you help get into heaven to come along with you? And so what we have to do over this year, and so over the year we have to evolve from, number one, being a competitor. We have to evolve from that. We have to evolve from being a personal achiever. We have to go, how do we become a group? And then we want to become, how do we become a team player? And how do we become a disciple builder? It's really what it comes down to. Uh, we have to have this shift in gears. Number six, I told you there was a lot of notes. Hopefully you're keeping up. If you don't, I'll, they're on our, our app, but I'll send them out to you too if you want. Number one, players value integrity, pretenders value image. The rules of navigation are what's under the surface should carry more weight than what's above the surface of the ship if it's going to make it through the storms without capsizing. Integrity is like this. What's going on under the surface should be greater than what's going on above. You, you, you know, what you do at home, behind closed doors, should be much greater than what you're doing out in front of everybody else. You should not be a pretend Christian. You should not be a pretend player. Players make the hard choices, and pretenders make the soft choices. Yogi Berra said, when you come to a fork in the road, take it, right? You know, what are you going to do? How are you going to move forward? How are you going to do things? How are you going to make the hard choices? The problem with the soft choice, we all have the power of choice, but once used, it has power over us. So once we decide to do the soft thing, it makes it to where it's, it just becomes it has the power over us. The choice has the power over us. The next thing is, why are hard choices hard? Why are the choices hard to make? Why are hard choices hard to make? Number one, if you guys know anything, the price is on the front end of our hard choices. To follow Jesus, the price is on the front end. It's going to be hard. People are going to make fun of you. People are going to try and pull you back. People are going to do all this thing. And the payoff is on the back end, right? There is no immediate thing. So if you're looking for immediate gratification, it does not exist in Christianity. We do all of this work. We do all of this tired. We, we get tired. We get all this stress. We have all of this stuff. And we do not, on most occasions, we do not see how we're going to reap the rewards here on earth. We reap the rewards when we get to heaven, right? That's what happens. So we go, why am I, why am I struggling? Why is this happening? Well, we're waiting to reap the rewards to once we get with God and Jesus. Number two, a few people gather and affirm the, the hard choice. You know, we don't come together and make sure that we talk to other people about what we're doing, how we're growing, and, you know, just look at our small groups. We don't, we don't come together often enough to affirm that we're moving in the right directions. That's what happens. We just, we sit there and we, and we, and we just don't come together to do that. Number three, the hard choice always includes risk. To follow, to follow Jesus always includes risk. Always does. There's never... It's never one of these things that you, you just get it. And then the hard choice usually places others above oneself. And then number eight, and this is going to be something that a lot of you can, you, you can relate to and because you, you've experienced it with a lot of people. Players finish out, pretenders fade out. Players finish out, pretenders fade out. And see, here's what happens. Some people start off as players. They, start do, they get in, they start doing what they're supposed to be doing. But after a few years of success or a few years of growth and discipleship, they begin to just go through the motions and pretend 
And why? Because a lot of times we overestimate the event. We overestimate this, this thing that we're doing and we, and we don't, and we underestimate the process. And then we get tired of the fight. We fail to change. And we, we get to this point where we're not doing what God has called us to do. So now, here's my question for you. Do you want to be a player or do you want to be a pretender? That's what it really gets down to. So we've gone through this whole, this whole list of things and where we're going to line up at. And so we have to go, where do I want to fall? Because as we're going to open up. So if you have a Bible with you, and if you don't, that's okay. We're going to get it. We're going to get one for you. It's the, and you're going to open up to Ephesians 5. So uh, if, if you don't have one, put a hand up. We'll get a Bible out to you. We'll have somebody bring one to you. You can open it up on your phone. If you have our app, you can open it up there. You can get to any one of these places. And so the reason why I want you to, to make this, here's what I want you to do. Someplace, somewhere, as you had the journal that we gave to you, right in there, I am a player. I am in the game, right? That's what I want you to do. You, you need to make this conscious effort. Write it down. It can't just be one of these things. And don't write it down like you think that you, uh, what do you, is it Rapporte that wrote out and said, you know. I don't know what she said, but, uh, but, as you go, <laughs> but as you go through, you, you know, what you have to, you, you know, you had to get more into this mindset of going, I am going to get on the field. I'm, you know, use a sports analogy, not a, a not a gangster analogy for today. So, uh, as you open up to Ephesians five, you're going to write, I'm a player. I want to, I want to do what God has asked me to do because all of a sudden we're going to change this mindset of going, how are we going to apply this instruction to our life? How are we going to apply what, what Paul is telling the church in Ephesus? Because really this church at this point is going through such... So when Paul's writing this letter to the church in Ephesus, there's chaos that's happening in, 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 in Ephesus. There's, you know, like there's, people are off going in all different directions. People are doing things that you just look back and go, why are they living such sinful lives? Why are they not following instruction? And so Paul is going, this is how you live as a player. This is how you live as a follower of Jesus. This is how you live as a Christian. And so here, let's just dive in. And so if you're following along, I'm reading from the, uh, the NIV. So uh, what do we have out there now is NIVRs, but uh, it'll be close. So verse one, it says, follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Let's stop there for a second. Think about this. How often are you seen walking in love? How often do people... So here's the thing. I have a terrible... I have this terrible, terrible, terrible thing that I walk around, and I call it mission mindset, right? I'm walking around. I usually do not have a smile on my face. I usually am not one of these people. I'm like, hey, how you doing? No, no, no. I'm like, mm, and I'm like... But really, everybody else that comes into contact with me, they go, you're a jerk. You might say it in another way. You might say it with some profanity. You might say some things because, and I don't think that because I'm like, I, I'm really just a big teddy bear. I'm very nice. I'm very welcoming. I'm loving. But how I walk around, <laughs> yeah, nobody's like, hey, let's go hang out with Mike. It doesn't work that way, right? So how, how much do you walk around where people go, I like to be in your presence. You know, if people don't like to be in your presence, you're not walking around like Jesus. So if people don't like to be around you, you should change things. Like you should really start making these mindsets of going, how do I change things? Because guess what happened? 
people followed Jesus. People followed him. Like, like 5,000 people followed him. I, guys, I am so sorry. I cannot do this. Like, I, I tried and tried and tried. I'm like, what is going on here? It's like, what is happening? It's like, it's like every time I said something, it was like, flick, flick, flick. And I was like, hey, wait a minute. Yeah. It's terrible. And it's right where I'm looking to. It's like, oh, this is terrible. Anyway, so here's the thing. Do, when you're walking around, do people go, there's, there's, there's a fragrant aroma around you? And I'm not saying that, hey, you should shower more often, but maybe you should shower more. Because here's the thing. Have you ever been around somebody who's really smelly? Like, I have teenagers. I ha you know, I've had teenagers, and I'm like, oh, hey, you know, are you been cutting onions up? What's going on here? And so, so here's the thing. Nobody wants to be around that. Nobody's like, hey, come on, let's get in this hot car with me with that, right? You know, they're like, hey. So do you want to be around people that are pleasant, they're pleasing, they're, they're people you want to be around? And that's, see, that's where we have to get. So if you're not pleasant, pleasing, and people want to be around you, you're probably not a Christian, to be honest with you. I'm just telling you right now, you're probably not a Christian. It's the hardest line I've probably shared in a long time. And the reason why you're probably not a Christian is because Scripture tells you right there is that you're not acting in love and you're not a pleasant person to be around. That's very simple. So if you walk around like my view, like, so like for me, it's taken one of these things for me to have to really awaken what I'm doing and going, oh, I, I have to make a change. I have to. Because if we want reach this community if we want to be able to reach gen x gen z gen gen y the millennials whatever other name they come up with if we want to reach them the only way we're going to do that is by being pleasant and reaching them where they're at and giving them something exactly where they're at to grow it's the only way it's going to happen verse three but among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or greed because these are improper for God's holy people. Do I need to explain that? I think it sounds like this one's pretty straightforward, but maybe we should explain it. Right? I, I, it, I mean, it, it really what it comes down to is stop going around from place to place to place with person to person to person. Stop being impure, stop, and, and stop having this mindset of greed, and stop having this these are just impure things of God. You, you just don't need to do that. And if you're God's holy people, you shouldn't do this. Verse 4, nor should there be any obscenity or foolish talk or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather you should have thanksgiving. Another thing I'm terrible about. I love to laugh and joke, and sometimes I get carried away with it. And I don't think of it as being coarse. I don't think of it as being obscene or anything like that. And so I want you to, like, I use, I use this line often in the past. I used to say, well, these words, they weren't even, Jesus, they never even heard of these words. How does he know that they're swearing, right? You know, they, they didn't exist back then. But the thing is, if I have to use that excuse, I probably shouldn't use those words. See, that's, that's probably what it is. If I have to use the excuse that, oh, that word didn't exist 2,000 years ago, I probably shouldn't be saying those words. That's just how it is. Or what about foolish talk? What, what do you think foolish talk is? Anybody? Nah, no, the comedians are okay. They're just liars. Don't be foolish, right? Don't, don't be a fool. Don't, be, don't, don't just run your mouth off. Don't be these people that think you know something about everything because you know nothing about anything. You know, that's just what it comes down to. 
So, and then we should be thankful for everything that we have. We should just be talking in thanksgiving, and we should be going, God, thank you for this. Thank you for bringing me here. And verse 5, for, for of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, just as a person that is idolater, has, an, has any inheritance of, in the kingdom of Christ and of God. See this? When you're greedy, when you're, when you're impure, when you're immoral, and when, you're, when you put money above God, because that's what most people do, you, you lose your inheritance of God's kingdom. So, so this is why I had to get back to you. And this is the reason why we had to talk about the beginning of this. Are you a player or are you a pretender? And the reason why, because you wrote down I'm a player, because we are going to have a whole shift in our personality and a whole shift in what we do in order to be a player that just in these five verses that we've gotten to, you have to have a fundamental shift in what you do. Because most of us, we put money above our relationship with God. Not all of us. Some of you are absolutely perfect. And you just, you, you know, you, on a, on a scale of one to 10, being, one being the old, 10 being Jesus, you're a 9.995. I, I get it. You're, you're perfect. But for the rest of us in this room, we're, we're, we're a five, a four, and some of us are a, are a 0.5. You know, some of us are, you know, we have, but see, here's the thing is that Jesus makes up all of that difference so long as we're players in the game, right? So long as we're trying to do what he's asked us to do, stop being greedy, stop being impure, stop looking, with, stop looking at people with lust, stop doing these things. Stop having this immoral, impure thoughts. Change what you're doing. Verse 6, let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Okay, again, you wrote down, I'm a player, right? I'm, I'm going to be part of this. I'm going to be in the game. Because those that are pretenders are disobedient. Those that are disobedient, the wrath of God comes upon you. I, I don't, I, I, you know, so that's, that's the reason why we have to get into this. <laughs> and then it says, don't even be friends with those that are disobedient. That, that's the, verse 7. Therefore, do not be partners with them. Do not be partners, do not hang out with them, don't do any of those things. Because, and, and Paul even goes in this, he's all, for, one, for, for you were once in darkness, but now you are in the light. Live as children of the light, for the fruit of the light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of the darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful to even mention what, is, what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes light. And this is why it is said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine upon you. So, we are called to expose those lies. We are called to expose that negativity. We're called to do that. And we're called to do it in a loving manner. So you can't just be like, hey, I'm going to call you out for cheating on your taxes. We're just going to put you on blast on Facebook, and we're just going to do that. You know, how, do you, how do you do that lovingly with somebody? How do you have a relationship with them? And you go, hey, you shouldn't be doing this because this is what's going to happen at some point. Or, or, and realistically, you should go, the wrath of God will come upon you one day. The wrath of God will come upon you one day. You know, and I know that some people are like, well, that's going to destroy my relationship with them. Well, are you a player or are you a pretender? What are you trying to do? What are you, how are you trying to grow them? How are you trying to help them? How do you, 
Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Are you making the most of out of every opportunity? See, I think so often we fail to act on the opportunities that God puts before us because we are afraid. We have this fear that it's going to alienate us from relationships, it's going to change things, it's going to make us have a whole different mindset, it's, going to, it's just going to be a whole different thing. It is going to change you. It is going to change your relationships. It's going to change everything about you when you start following Christ as a player. When you stop pretending, when you stop acting as a, as a fake, it, everything is going to change. Everything is going to change. That's when the spirit comes to dwell within you. And all of a sudden, you're like, why do I feel so different? Why is it that I feel that I'm supposed to be doing something in these cases of injustice? Because you're not pretending to follow Christ anymore. You're actually doing what he's asked you to do. And now you're in the game. You've been a spectator for too long. That's the problem. We've been riding in the seats and we've been spectators for too long instead of being on the field, playing the game and trying to win the battle versus good and evil. And we just continue to ride it out. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and from songs of the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. ask this question how many of you guys we had a time of worship before this how many of us did we sing out like really really sing out like you know like you know anybody ever heard that sign that sing make a joyful noise doesn't have to be in key doesn't have to have any of those other things just make a joyful noise right you know and some, some people they go hey i bang on the drum and it's a joyful noise that's not that's irritating uh I went to a church one time, and somebody brought in a uh, tambourine and stood like five people away from me. And every time, they would, they would bow, and then, and then, and, and, and then any time, they would always rattle up against their legs. They were like, you know, it's like, oh, can I move? <laughs> you know, and then you realize you're going to hear it all across the room. But here's the thing is that how much are we really singing out? How much are we really going, I want to, I'm praising, I'm singing out. It's one of these things that we're actually called to do. We're called to sing out. We're called to be, to, 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 to <laughs> I know that we go, but my voice isn't very good. That's a, what does that matter? Your voice is beautiful to God. He loves to hear you. You, you know, here's the thing. I'll, I'm, let's just be, be perfectly transparent here. Some of us can't sing, right? I'm one of those people. You know, I, I, but here's the thing. My kids can't sing either. I'll tell you that right now. But if they came and they sung a song to me, you know what I'm going to do at the end? What do you think our Father in Heaven does? How do you think that He, how do you think He responds when we come and we sing in His presence and we sing and we sing, even if you, even if you're, even if you're terrible? <laughs> what do you, what, how do you think He responds? And, and I don't want you to think that, you know, hey, like, oh, everything's terrible, and it's not. And then I want to go back to, so here's the, this, this line that, we, that we, we tend to cross over here, right? We see this line in verse, verse 18. It says, therefore, do not get drunk on wine. 
And in my version, it's read as do not get drunk on wine, but in most people's versions, it's do not be a drunkard, right? It's not, it's, what it's saying is don't be a drunkard. It's not saying don't drink wine, don't drink, you know, it's saying don't be the person that every, anytime somebody talks to you, you're like, hey, how you doing? You know, like, hey, wait a minute, you're just a drunkard at that point. They think it's funny. I must have been hitting on somebody or something. Anyway. <laughs> Do not get drunk on wine. Which, <laughs> oh, that's terrible. I, I, I went back to Ephesians 4. <sighs> All right. So here's the thing, and then we, and then you see this. And so we're gonna have this. Uh, we're gonna change gears here because that's how Paul does it. He changes gears very fast, and he goes into this next line. He says, "Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ." So this is instructions to to Christian households. So submit to one another in your households. How often are we submitting to one another? You know, often we you see these arguments that transpire over this word submit, right? You know, we have this word that comes up and goes, "I'm not submitting to anybody." It's like somebody just swore at you. Like, you know, it's like, wait a minute here. It's not submitting to such a point to where you're like, I'm weak, here's the white flag. No, it's, it's recognizing, having discussions and going, hey, how do we grow through this? How do we, you know, uh, perfect example, at our, uh, at our house, um, I'm a Giants fan. I've been a Giants fan for years and years and years. And when Melissa and I met, she had no idea what baseball even was. She had heard of it. She had seen it on TV every once in a while. She thought it was boring. Right, you know, she was like, this is terrible. I, I, like, why would I watch this? But now, like, she's all in defense about it now. She's like, what? I'm, are you nuts? I'm, not, I'm a huge Giants fan now, right? Right? I heard, I heard baseball. I heard baseball. She... <laughs> all right. But here's the thing. So, so now she, she was like, all right, I'll go to a baseball game. Didn't really want to go to a baseball game. She's like, I'll go to a baseball game. And so now she's like, oh, she's like, I can do this. I can hang out with this. I, and she started, and, and then I, I know that some of it was like, oh, he has a nice butt. And, you know, and so I know that some of it was there. And she's like, oh, what are you talking about? I, I, no, no, no. I know that some of it was that, right? You know, it's just how it changes. But then, but then, on the flip side of this, I hated country music when I met her, right? Like, I was like, I cannot stand country music. Like, I'm like, I've heard enough about the dog being ran over by the truck that just got repossessed and that your wife left you with the tow truck driver. I heard it. Like, I heard the whole thing. And I was like, I've heard enough of that. I don't need to hear any more. Let's move on to something else. But now, now, I, I, I listen to more country music than I wish to admit to. Like, I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> and it's because I watched them and go, look at that butt. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. But, but see, what happens is the submission that happens, right? <laughs> I try to make it to where you leave here at least a little bit of joyous, right? You know, you walk out and go, like, I, I don't know what all he talked about, but I do know that he said that. Anyway. <laughs> Ah, verse, <laughs> verse 22. <laughs> Wives, submit yourself to your own husbands as you do the Lord. I know, so here's the problem. Here, here's the problem. Most guys will stop right there. Yeah. You hear that, woman? <laughs> I'll read it again. No, 
It says, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church and his body, in which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also should the wife submit to their husband and everything. Now, here's the next thing is when you go into this. So you cannot stop at verse 22 without making it all the way through verse 25 and 27. And you get all the way down here because verse 25 says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy cleansing. So what does that mean? What is that? I mean, just think about this. You have to love your wife enough to be crucified for her. That you want her to submit to you, you better start acting like I'm getting ready to get on the cross for you, baby. Because if you don't act that way, and if you're not willing to go through that, then do not ever expect her to submit to anything that you have to say. Because that is what the scripture is telling us right here. It says, hey, if you want this, you better do this. And, and it says, and, and, and when you start seeing this, her, it says by cleansing her through washing of the water in the word and present himself as a radiant church without stain, wrinkle, or any blemish and holy and blameless. How holy and blameless are you in your household? So don't come in here and be like, woman, submit, and be like, I'm going to go off and I'm going to go commit some sin in the garage. I'm going to go off and I'm going to go do this. I'm going to go off and go do these things. You have to be prepared to love your wife and be prepared to go, I'm ready for this, for her, so that way she will do the things that I'm asking. Now, see, if you've ever read the book, uh, what is it? Uh, I, I, I'm just going to, I'm going to paraphrase. I'm not even going to say the name of the book because I'm, but it says that men need to be respected, right? And women need to be loved. It's a, it's a trade-off between the two of them, right? So if you want to be respected in your house, you better do some loving, right? And not, not the type of loving where you're like, hey, come on, let's go to the bedroom, baby. I'm going to do some of that loving. No, no, that's, that's not the loving that you're after, right? That it, well, you're after that loving, and you want that belly button to belly button time, but that only comes when you actually do the loving that you're supposed to do. So that's what it is. And then so, and if you want respect in your house, you better be doing the type of loving that she needs according to her needs, not according to your needs, right? This is how it goes down. I know. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife also loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they fed and cared for his body just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. So I, just think about this. What are we supposed to be doing? How are we supposed to be interacting with one another? How are things supposed to happen? We're supposed to be loving and taking care of one another. We're supposed to be helping one another. And this here is, we're, we're, so I want you to understand something. We're actually talking, this conversation is more spiritual than physical. Okay, this is a spiritual conversation that he's talking about. He's making, making sure that your wife is being fed by the, by the church that you're attending, by the rabbi that you're listening to at this point. Because remember, Jesus was a Jewish rabbi. So remember that. So when you're hearing this, he's saying, make sure that you're doing these things in a spiritual sense. Make sure that your wife is, is, is getting the word. Make sure that she's spending time with God. Make sure that she's getting what's needed at home. Make sure that the kids aren't interrupting her prayer time. Make sure that the kids aren't going in and destroying her Bible as she's trying to spend time with God. Make sure that all these things are happening, and then make sure that your kids love her as well. That Make sure that they're following the commands, making sure that they are growing up as children should be in the house where they respect their mother and father. And that even if that's your stepmother or a stepfather, the children should be known to respect you as you come into the house. It should just happen. It shouldn't be one of these things, well, that's not my mom. It is your mom because I married her. That's as simple as that. That's not my dad. It is your dad because I married him. 
And he will be more of a father than the one that's probably not here or the mother that's probably not here. And, you can, and, and if mom is still in the picture, you don't have to go call her mom, but it, it has to be a motherly type relationship. It has to have that respect. It has to have that. You can't have something that's opposite in the house. It just doesn't work. For this reason, man will leave his father and mother and united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So this is an important line here, too, and I tell, and, and <laughs> I'm going to give you a little thought process here. I'm, I'm, I'm running out of time, but a little thought process that I have. Number one, you have to make decisions jointly, right? You're two people. Just as an example, if Melissa goes, we're going to move tomorrow and makes that decision without talking to me, there's going to be some conflict, right? Like if all of a sudden she goes, hey, you know what? We all love country music so much, we're going to Texas. <laughs> right? And actually more, more country music comes out of Oklahoma and Tennessee, so that's kind of... So let's go, let's go to Tennessee, or let's go to Oklahoma, or let's go wherever. But if she just made that decision unilaterally, unilaterally what do you think that my response will be? No. I'm like, well, good luck on that move. You know, I mean, you know, you know I mean, but see, there's going to be conflict. There's going to be strife. There's going to be things. Now, the same is op the opposite is true. If I go out today, and we go for a little ride, and I, just, and I say, you know what, hey, I'm going to do something just by myself, and I come back with a brand new sports car, There's probably going to be some conflict. There's probably going to be something she's going to go, well, where's my new car? <laughs> that, you know, <laughs> where's my, where, where, you know, like, that's what happens in our house. It's terrible. So I have, I have had to slow down the technology replacement schedule of my house because it used to be I just bought it for me, but now I have to buy it for me and I got to buy it for her and then I got to buy something for the kids now. And so it just goes, well, I guess we're not upgrading. <laughs> So I love how Paul brings this next line up here. He says, in verse 32, it says, this is a profound mystery. This is a profound mystery. Because it really is. The two of us have to be, we have to be unified in our decisions. We have to be unified how we act with our kids. We have to be unified in all these things. You cannot, you, you can't even change jobs without talking to the other one. You have to do, everything has to be unified. That's how it becomes. Because you are now one flesh. You are one person. In God's eyes, the two of you are now one together. So when one of them has a rocky relationship with God, both of you have a rocky, rocky relationship with God. When one of you is struggling in your relationship with God, you're both struggling. When one of you is doing so well, then you're both doing well because the other one's usually pulling the other one along, right? You know, one's pulling the other, one's dragging the other. And so you have to figure out how do we make sure that we're growing together? How do we make sure that we're acting as one? Now, I'm going to tell you right now, if you're, if you're a couple here, and if you're not, you're, it's, I get it, you know, hey, Paul says you should be single, because then you don't have to deal with all of this. <laughs> but how often do you pray together? How often do you read scripture together? How often are you on at least the same, the same type of Bible journey? Like, where are you guys reading at? Are you guys reading scripture at least? You know, like, I hear people like going, hey, I'm on version. what's your point plan are you reading? Right? Are you doing a plan with your spouse? Or are you just doing it with all these random... Like I, I get invited. To, like you guys, I'm, I'm going to tell you right now. Do not ever invite me to your Bible plan. I'm never accepting it. So <laughs> I'm just telling you I'm, just, you. I'm just not going to accept it. And the reason why is because 
I'm already on my own little journey. You can't derail my journey. My journey is in a whole different place than yours is right now. And so don't, don't, and a great, and now if I have a conversation with you about going, hey, let's do a Bible plan together, then you can invite me, right? Or then I'll invite you. Chances are I'm inviting you because I have the Bible plan that we're going to do. So, but (laughs) it's a control. It is a control thing. Yes. No, it's not. But so when you think about this, is that you start looking at it and start, start thinking about how your decisions affect one another, how your decisions affect your entire household. One of the things I tell you that is super, super important, make sure that your kids see you reading scripture. Make sure that, you know, and see in our house, we have this horrible tendency that we use electronic devices. We, we, it's, a ter- it's a terrible thing, but it's also an amazing thing, right? You have this availability of scripture everywhere you're at, no matter what's going on. You have, if you have your phone, you have availability of scripture. But see, one day, one day our son comes downstairs and he's, and he's asking Melissa and I, he goes, hey, I never see you read. Literally, we're in the process of actually reading scripture. And, and he goes, I don't, are you guys ever going to read your Bibles? Like, like this is what our son said. And we're like, we are, dude, like right here. And so if he doesn't see you actually break open a word, then he never thinks that you're actually reading scripture. And so why would he ever spend time with, in scripture if he never sees you spending time or she never sees you spending time in scripture? You have to break open the word and you have to spend time. And then you also have to do it with them, Right. When was the last time you opened up scripture with your kids and said, hey, let's talk about this? However, this is verse 33. However, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Right? It's a biblical thing for thousands of years. The guy who wrote that book was nothing new. Right? It was just like, hey, we've already done this before. Let's just, the Bible already says it. Now let's put it in words, and I'll add 5,000 other words around it, and that'll sell it as a book, or 50,000 words, or however much. But, feel like I raced through that. All right. So let's close in prayer here, and then we're going to take communion together. So let's, uh, let's take this time, and let's just close in prayer. And, uh, um, and let's ask God to guide us, to help us become players, instead of us being pretenders. So Father, thank you so much for today. Thank you so much for this, this awakening of either, our, either how well we're playing the game or how much we're pretending. And so help us rip the facade that we've built as we've been pretending through Christianity, help us, and then help us truly become the players on the field doing the work that you've asked us to do. Father, I know that each one of us is on a different journey in a different place, but you've called us all to do the work that you've, to be your hands and feet, to be your ambassadors, to be the ones that people look to and going, I want that. I want what they have. And I, and how do I get that? How, how do we, how do we become those beacons where people call us Christians instead of us calling ourselves Christians? And so, Father, help us love, help us do the work that you've asked us to do, but really help us have the strength to, to, to continue on the journey when it gets hard, when people are trying to pull us off, when people are trying to ridicule us for being followers of you, and when, when we continue to have struggles and when we continue to face strife as we're trying to grow closer to you. Father, I, I know that each one of us wants to be players, and so give us that strength Give us the courage and, and then also help us be aligned and around other people that will continue to encourage us and continue to lift us up as we're on the journey. Father, thank you. And it's in your son, Jesus' name, that we pray. Amen. All right, guys.